Good afternoon and welcome to the podcast Lotus Eaters, episode number 696. Today I'm your host, Harry, joined by Carl and special guest for today, Calvin Robinson. Thank you. For the What's first... special about me? <laughs> uh, you're not a regular. Uh, thank there you, you go. <laughs> uh, don't, don't want to disrupt anything, but John, I've got an echo of myself in my ear if you could just sort that out, please. There we go. That's sorted. Thank you. So today what we're going to be talking about is the Conservative Party is awful. Then we're going to be talking about Europe is doomed. And then we're going to be continuing on with our fun train of the Conservative Party is awful. Wow. Yeah, no, that's exactly what we're doing. (laughs) Doom a podcast. That's exactly what we're doing today. Uh, But before we start the hate train, um, (laughs) let's take a look at what's going on tomorrow afternoon where we've got a Rumble Live special where I think it's you and Callum are going to be talking about Tumblr taking over a school. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea because this is Callum's podcast. So I'm just going to be sat here. Uh, in shock, probably. Uh, but I mean, it feels like Tumblr's taken over the entire country at this point. So, yeah. And uh, Calvin, is there anything you want to say before we get on with it? Oh, let's do it. All right. Uh, well, in fact, there is one other thing, which oh, yeah. is that we've started taking donations recently. And we just want to be very, very grateful to everybody who has been donating so far because it's been a fantastic help. We really appreciate your support. We'd like to give a few shout outs. So, first of all, we've got uh, from our top donors, we've got Victor, we've got Christopher. James, Robert, Scott, Samuel, Martin, Mr. Schelling, Damien, Brandon, and uh, Theoran. Thank you very much to all of you. And a special shout out to a Mr. Harris who donated £350 to us. So thank you to everybody who is donating so far. It is a fantastic help. And it's money well spent because this new studio is fantastic. (laughs) Better than our new studio. It's great. Not that that shocked because we are a pretty slick operation (laughs) now. Calm down. We're not that slick. (laughs) Theoran's a great name. It sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. Uh, anyway, migrants are all basically the same, aren't they? No. Just, <laughs> just you know, migrant, doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter their background, they're all basically the same. And this is basically the Conservative Party view on migration. And I hate it. Ukraine, Pakistan, basically the same country. Who can tell the difference? And that's actually well, uh, Afghanistan rather than Pakistan. But yeah, Afghan, which is basically the same as Pakistan. Afghan, uh, Ukrainian, man, woman, yeah. basically the same. Uh, and this idea that there is essentially an interchangeable migrant, just the category of migrant, and we can just put them in a category and say they're a migrant. Well, this comes from liberalism. Yeah. Liberalism is a bad idea. We've been force-fed it for so long, but to be against it makes you a racist. Everyone yeah. has to be for diversity. Diversity is our strength, well, but they never tell us how it's our strength. You know what's interesting? Uh, liberalism actually doesn't really believe in diversity because it believes in the homogeneity of the human race. All people are all the same all over the world. That's where we end up with diversity, right? Absolutely. And everyone is beige. Everyone is the same. But it's also the, the, the presupposition of liberalism, that everyone is actually fundamentally the same, and therefore diversity is kind of a misnomer right. for anything that liberalism could be asking for. Uh, and I talked about this in my Why Liberalism is a Universal Acid podcast, because I used to be a liberal. I spent a long time defending liberalism. For shame. It, for well, shame. for shame. It's... There, there, liberalism has virtues, but it's just founded on philosophical premises that are just wrong. Yeah. And when you start going further and further with these premises, if you would stop at a certain point, which the political liberals wish to, then liberalism would be fine. But you've got a kind of liberalism that is called comprehensive liberalism that I talk about in this podcast that actually says, no, we need full spectrum liberalism. We need it in everything all the time. And that's why it becomes the acid, as I explain in that podcast. So go and watch that. But anyway, so... Let's begin with the boat migrants. Who doesn't like talking about boat migrants? They were 90% men. That's why every single picture you see, like you can see the rare picture. Oh, look, we've got a child in this picture. Well, they still are, aren't they? <laughs> still are 90% men. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute, actually. Oh, dear. 
in, in 2021, as just a sample, 90% of them were adult men. But if you're fleeing a war, if this is a war zone that they're escaping, right? If you are in a war, you send your women and your children off. You would think. And they're, they're fighting the aged men stay to fight the war. Th this is why I'm in no way resentful However, about Ukrainian migrants coming here. Because that's exactly what you would think. That, well, we'll get to that. But we, will, we will get to yeah. this. Because but, that's exactly how But if you're be. not, if you're not fleeing a war, if you're running towards a war, if you're setting up an invasion or incursion, yeah. you send your fighting age men. It, yeah. That is generally how Britain has been conquered in past eras. Uh, it wasn't women and children being sent or, first. Or if just in an imperial measure, you want to send over people who can extract resources, economic benefits and such, and send them back to you. These are the sorts of people that yeah. you could send as well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so we've been putting these people in hotels at our expense, mm -hmm. not because they forced us to, not because we lost the war, but because for some reason our government are a bunch of traitors. Well, we were also thinking about putting them on barges, which would be just as expensive. <laughs> and then some empty RA yeah, RAF bases ships. as well. Literally cruise ships. You've got to pay a couple of grand to go on a cruise ship, Harry. They just need to cross the channel illegally. But even the Rwanda scheme, which I'm in favor of, would be incredibly expensive for oh, us. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in favor of sending them to Rwanda too, because that sounds dangerous. But it's wonderful. Place. I'm just joking. I love Rwanda. I'm just joking. Anyway, so the, the, the British government don't know what to do with themselves. And they're like, hang on a second. This is costing us billions, literally billions, which we'll get to in a minute. And so former Secretary of State Brandon Lewis uh, has endorsed a new report as the Express tell us, if I get to our. Okay, you control that. John. You and John were fighting. Yeah, for no, me. I'll let John control that because <laughs> I'm too uh, single-minded. But yeah, so the the Tories have a new report that says, by the way, um, we're going to uh, engage in some quote radical proposals, and the radical proposal is: Would you like to house an Afghan migrant? No, never. <laughs> it's a ridiculous proposal. I mean, but these reports. And I've worked for the Policy Exchange in the past. So I, I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah, I was going to. Yeah. Is, is this the sort of thing that they would often throw out at all? Well, uh, my, <laughs> my report was never published. Oh, what was your report? Um, Tom, if, you, if you're allowed to say. Set up Dover like Norman. Yeah, yeah I, I talked about education. I did research into education and how oh, it right. captured uh, and how the government was at fault. But you'll notice none of the reports coming out of PX uh, implicate the government because they always have to come out favorable because it's, well, Michael Gove is on the board and, you know, my former boss Lord, uh, is now Lord Godson. So, you know, it, these people are with the Tories. It's, they can never be against the Tories. It sounds an awful lot like it's just a place where you can go in, hand out favours to one another, and pr uh, propose policies that the Tories already want to do, but it's so that they can say that this is a place, oh, we got it from a third party. This is how the think tank, think tank system works. Absolutely, but it shouldn't work like that. They should be proposing policies that will help the country, regardless of what the governing party thinks, but they're not brave enough or bold enough. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I did take a quick look it's into It's a kind them. of patronage system though, isn't it? It is. That's the problem. I mean, I, I looked in and they've had funding from places like the Gates Foundation oh, in the really? past, which is not particularly good costs. for me. No, it's a... Anyway, so the, the, the key of this report is they're like, well, look, people were so generous and willing to take in Ukrainian women into their houses, surely they'll feel the same about Afghan men. And they expect, say, uh, <laughs> they expect to, um, what was the exact quote? Let me but to be fair to Brandon Lewis, this wasn't his report. This was Rakib Isan's report. No, but he and did he, endorse but, Yeah, but Rakib Isan writes from a Muslim stand point of view, which isn't, mm. I don't think, in the best interest of Great Britain. No, certainly but, not. Not if these are his solutions. <laughs> yes, well, the report cites generosity shown by Brits towards Ukrainians, as if this is just going to be the same. And so, of course, what they want to do is try and get uh, middle-class Lib Dem voters to take in Afghans. Now, there's a part of me that wants them to be brainwashed into it, right? There is a part of me that wants them to 
to learn firsthand. But also, I also don't want them to do that because it'll be really horrible. Yeah. And the results will be cruel I mean, and unusual. But they won't do it, will they? They'll find any excuse not to. Oh, my, my oh. house is too small. I've only got four spare It'll be a Martha's Vineyard situation. Like when Ron DeSantis tried to do yeah. the same thing to Martha's Vineyard. They'll be, they're the only ones really in the position to do so. And then when you open up the gates to this kind of suggestion, well, they go, well, I suppose that some of the poorer people could take them in instead. That's what would end up happening. And even if it did end up going to the middle class houses, you know, I hate the fact that they go refugees welcome. I don't want them to get hurt. I still don't well, want them to get hurt. I agree. I don't want them to get hurt like either. But I'm going to learn until they do. <laughs> God's sake, Carl. But that's the thing. It's a meme. So it's, like, it's like when your child wants to take the pizza when it's too hot. Yeah. And you tell them no several yeah. times, but eventually you're like, well, okay. Take it. it seems like a particularly brutal variation <laughs> of that. I've got but, to be honest. Like I said, I mean, I think these people should still be instantly deported. I mean, yeah, they're I, all I, like, "Well, no, refugees welcome." So, okay, well, I think a lot of these people do need to go home. And a, a lot of the problem for me as well is that this seems like a distraction from the fact that the government is still letting in record numbers of legal migrants when it's demonstrable at this point that the country can't handle them. Oh, yeah, we'll get to this is all a big mishmash though isn't it what's a refugee what's a migrant what's an illegal immigrant all of these boundaries have been crossed and we need to say if we want to help countries which we should help countries let's help the people in their native countries mm. that's where our, our foreign um, intervention should come into play and then we don't have as many people coming over but also if we have people coming over they should be from countries that have views aligned with ours that have a culture a religion and are generally in line with our way of thinking, which means I think we should take on board Christian refugees rather than Muslim refugees. I it's agree. Bring back the empire. Be preferable. Bring back the empire. Can we have that as a campaign for the next election? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, if we bring back the empire, they won't have to campaign. come over here because we'll just improve all of their exactly. countries. <laughs> so anyway, right. colonialism worked. <laughs> the, there, there is a direct quote here that I find hilarious. The key to better sharing the load of the wealthier parts of progressive liberal Britain relatively pro-refugee areas which tend to have higher housing costs is galvanizing voluntary spirits. But as you said, they're not going to do it. They can say, oh, I've got too many spare bedrooms for a migrant. I can't take it. You've seen meme videos of the, all of the my refugees welcome parades that they do where yes. people go around, oh, do you want to take some in? Oh, I'm only in a flat share, mate. Yeah. There yeah. you go. That's the answer that you'll get. Then maybe get off the street and stop happening. But anyway. Who's that guy? Not political or something. I think it's that yeah. person. The, the, right. This is starting to take on dimensions of sort of billeting migrants with the local population, which I mean is the Third Amendment, you can't billet soldiers, uh, is in fighting age men with civilians uh, because that's awful. Because fighting age men aren't always the most trustworthy and decent of people, especially if they break into your country illegally. Anyway, it's going to be organizations like Refugees at Home that are going to be responsible for connecting those with a spare room in their home to refugees and asylum seekers. How many do you think they've done? Out of the total number, 4,700 refugees. Out of the over 96,000 that the government is willing to admit to, but probably far more than that. So 5%. I mean, we, we've seen the figures of how many are coming in, and we've seen the figures of how many have been sent out. So 96,000, <laughs> that's just a lie. That's just yeah, an yeah, outright it's, lie. It's, it's going to be way more, but these are the official figures on Wikipedia. Uh, and so by their own numbers, they've managed to house 5% of the refugees with a Liberal Democrat, which is far too, far too few. I can't <laughs> understand why we don't have a system of working out which refugees are genuine refugees and processing them faster and deporting the ones that aren't successful. It would probably be because it would be too easy to do so, and then people would be too easy to accuse you of racism for I, I, out the I think I might have an answer. Oh, okay. All right. Which I'll, I'll give you in a second. All right. It's, uh, because 
You may remember that the uh, the migrants are quote unquote children. One of them was found to be forty one years old. Was he in a secondary school? He was. Yeah, he's just been held back a long time. Yeah, he he, he was quote the oldest individual we've encountered. <laughs> forty one. How do you not tell when a man is forty one yeah, years old? I, like, and just and this this was obviously a big thing a couple of years ago. But uh, they're people who have profound respect for our civilizations, as you can see. This is why they can't uh, identify who they are and send them back, because they destroy their passports as they're crossing the ocean. They should not be allowed to cross. Yeah. Mm. I think Australia's approach is far better. Let's get gunboats out there. Let's get a oh. proper deterrent. Yeah, you there you go. We don't have a navy. First place. We don't have a navy, do we? Well, no. Just, I don't want to interject too much, but I don't know if you've got it in here, but there is something else that's very disturbing about this whole thing where you've got these refugee homes for refugees. Is Are you aware of an organization? I've been sent this information through by people. Are you, are you aware of an organization called CERCO? S-E-R-C-O. Oh, yeah, they're the ones who are organizing the um, hotels and stuff. Yes, they're also yeah. got a landlord scheme where if a landlord yeah, has yeah. the empty homes, they want to be able to house migrants. And the government in May was we'll talking. Yeah, well, the government will pay for it, but they also took away, they're talking about taking away certain restrictions on landlords for multiple occupancy homes, which means that it, it's easier to get them in. And also, they don't even have to fit the safety regulations. So, random people in communities who never asked for any of this stuff will suddenly out of nowhere, present, potentially because you've got a landlord with a home that's empty next to you, yep. just get their street invaded. Yeah, No, um, no communication regarding it. That's definitely going to happen. And uh, of course, they're going to get benefits. I looked this up on citizen advice. This is amazing. Because if, if you uh, claim asylum and you're given refugee status, you actually get the asylum claimant payments stopped. And they're like, okay, well, that's, that's good, isn't it? No, because then they can just start claiming a whole host of other benefits, such as universal credit, Pension benefits. What? I've literally just walked off the boat. I've been given refugee status. Give me my pension benefit. Ridiculous. Uh, housing benefit, of course, and a refugee integration loan. There are Brits that are struggling to get by that cannot get on the benefit system because all of the money is going elsewhere. Of course, there are genuine refugees who need support, but we have to have a system in place to help these people rather than letting it be an attractive well, benefit scheme. Yeah, there are far too many young men who are adventurers from foreign lands that are not abroad, that are not really uh, refugees or asylum seekers, who are coming here because we know that they know that we are stupid and we'll just give them free money. <laughs> well, you can get a flight from Europe for 20 quid, right? Yeah. So why would you pay 10 times that, maybe 20 times that to get a boat and ditch your paperwork in the ocean on the way over? Because this gets you into this system. Exactly. That's the reason. So they're gaming the system. They're not trying to be exactly by the book. They know exactly what they're doing. Anyway, so uh, enjoy your Afghan migrants. The ministers are considering launching a home for Afghans scheme following a similar government-funded plan for Ukrainians. What I, what I love about this is that, uh, I mean, Robert Jenrick, Michael Gove, uh, the veterans minister, Johnny Mercer, they've all recently met to discuss how thousands of our Afghans can be housed after being evicted from hotels in August. And they literally say, well, because 124,000 people arrived under the Homes for Ukraine scheme, uh, this must work. So we know that it's 124,000 Ukrainian women versus 90,000 Afghan men. Surely this is just all the same. And they literally, they literally say this. This scheme is ready and is the equivalent for homes of Ukraine. Uh, so really, I would urge the government to take us up on this and make sure their supposed safe routes are actually safe routes. The Homes for Ukraine scheme has been a superb one, one we should all be proud of. If it's possible to create a comparable scheme for Afghans, that's something we should consider. I don't think it is. Mental. Afghans and Ukrainians are very different from one another. Well, not 
Afghan men and Ukrainian women are even more different from each other. <laughs> yes, this oh, absolutely bizarre. It's unbelievable. I think this, this is what's in their head. This comes from that same policy exchange document as well. This this was the idea. If, I, I read through a little bit of it, and mm. it was saying that that the the whole plan was to reorientate the homes for Ukraine scheme for to open <laughs> up to other nationalities. So not just Afghans. It'll be Pakistanis and all sorts. That Saudi Arabians, yeah. Syrians in your home, in your living room, a bunch of Muslims. Yes. Near your knives in your kitchen, presumably. Hostile states. Good stuff. Um, now, the UN, of course, were like, yes, the Ukrainians were 90% women. Like we, this, this is their figures. As it should be. Uh, uh, well, I mean, they yeah, actually have... Well, yeah. <laughs> I, assume, I assume the 10% were boys and girls. Uh, yeah, well, well, women and children. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because the, the fighting age men in Ukraine yeah. stayed behind to fight, yeah. Yeah. which is what you would expect. Yeah. And it's just very interesting how... Uh, the UN Refugee Agency was like, well, you've got to stop putting these Ukrainian women in the homes of single men because they are at risk of sexual exploitation. Mm. So if you put, if you bring Ukrainian, single Ukrainian women over, yeah. you can't house them with men, yeah. single men, yeah. because they could get uh, molested. Sure. I mean, this is true. Just yeah. take this Afghan with a cultural... Uh, a com- I can't even... I don't think I'm going to be able to, allowed to say what I was going to say then. Um, with, with yourself with distinct cultural practices right uh, and just put them in a house full of children I mean after all no, and they've got no problem with this nothing bad ever happened to Germany in 2015 right no no not once no um, anyway I it's like just I, insanity that this is con- being considered I saw the leaks oh, yeah. from the Labour Party as well that they want to potentially enforce this policy <laughs> <laughs> if you have a spare room they could make councils local councils force you to take they something. are literally going to billet Afghans in your house with your children oh well Labour had the new New Britain document, which just said that they wanted to completely change the entire way the political system in the UK works from the from the ground up, mm. so that they can ensure that the social status, the social attitudes that we have now, stay essentially as Britain's constitution for all time going forward. I don't want a new Britain. I want the old Britain. I never say. As yeah. do I. Anyway, but don't worry. I know you guys have been worried, right? But they're going to be taught to be good neighbours. Oh, like like in Sweden, <laughs> like, like in Sweden, Sweden yeah. Like, Afghanistan and Pakistan aren't even good neighbors. So when you bring them over here, how are they going to be good neighbors? <laughs> there was a there was a case in Norway where um, they were trying to teach the uh, Muslim immigrants uh, respect for women, and one of them ended up raping the teacher uh, who's teaching them respect for women. Well, just... Rakib Isan, who wrote this report, we don't speak any longer because I pointed out the issue of bringing people over with their own current warfare situations. For example, the Muslims and the Hindus that were yeah, fighting yeah, in Leicester, yeah. I pointed out that we're bringing foreign um, wars over to the United Kingdom. It's not in our best interests. He didn't like that, but this is clearly what's going to be happening. Oh, yes. If you don't mind me asking, how do people get involved in these think tanks in the first place, like Policy Exchange? Having... <laughs> the conscripted from the Labour Party, I assume. No. <laughs> I suppose it's people that are writing. So if you're writing for the Telegraph, Daily Mail, and such like that. Oh, so there's particular channels they'll be recruiting from? Yeah, yeah. Very similar channels to, I mean, a lot of people who work in these think tanks go on to become MPs or SPADs. Yeah. So it's all of that Westminster bubble. Yeah, I saw it was um, partially founded by Michael Gove itself. So, anyway, so on arrival, asylum seekers will be given an introductory briefing uh, in the reception room where there is a sign that says welcome in English and a number of other languages. They'll be given a welcome pack, including toiletries. And it will also include guidance on how to be a good neighbor. This is so <laughs> This is ridiculous. It's preposterous. We cannot keep importing our enemies and expecting them to play nice. <laughs> they know that we are weak. We are weak. I, I didn't say we are. I totally agree. We are yeah. completely weak. 
And they know it. And so they're just taking advantage. Yeah. And they know that we know, and yet they're doing it anyway. This, do you remember the picture of the, uh, the, the, the children who were taken off that boat a while ago? And so they just have thick stubble on their faces. Mm. And they're like smirking. Yeah. And, and they just mature faster than over here. That's yeah, what it well, must be. Well, that was be. literally the argument that a bunch of lefties online were making. It's like, yeah, well, it's hard over overseas. It's like, it's not that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they're going to be put in uh, quiet rural villages close to uh, an, uh, an, an RAF base, disused RAF base, uh, that they expect to be overwhelmed by 1,700 asylum seekers. So they're like, yeah, so we're going to teach you to be good neighbors. So they're not going to be good neighbors. Uh, <laughs> this has been going on for so long. Like yeah. when I was a teacher, I remember we had occasionally uh, an African kid, I say kid, would join our school. We know that these were young adults, yeah. but they gamed the system and yeah. got an incorrect passport in order to get in and stay in. But they had good value. They had Christian values. So there wasn't, there wasn't a problem. A start, yeah. These people do not have the same value set. This is going to be a massive issue. You yeah. cannot have young adults in school with children, especially if they come from a Pakistani Muslim or a Afghanistani Muslim background. And the fact that you yeah. say that like everybody knew when these kids were coming in, that they weren't kids and they shouldn't really be there. Yeah. It's a complete emperor's wearing no clothes. Emperor's got no clothes on the situation because everybody can see it, but if you say it, then... Racist. Yeah, there you go. I love this so much. Right? There's a guide that's presented to every individual. They're given details in their own language on how to advise them to be a good neighbor. We're really keen that people understand how you fit in because that's a very different culture. It's a very different environment and it's really important they understand that. We talk to them about what is deemed acceptable with noise and don't hang around on street corners. As if this is going to work. Like, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, so there's a couple of other uh, quick points I just want to knock down here. Uh, you get people saying, well, hang on a second. There's an economic benefit to all of this migration. There isn't. Yeah, no, there's, there's really not. This was a, a study done from 2014 that claimed, well, um, European migrants uh, make us 15 billion a year, which uh, is good. Uh, but non-EU migrants make us 5 billion a year, paying into the system about 3% more than they took out. That's a very narrow margin, isn't it? I don't actually care. I don't care if they're yeah, no, billions a year. The GDP should not be the focus of the country. This is where the Tories have gone wrong. It's not the main measure of a good country. I totally agree, but this is just one of those points that they'll bring up and yeah. is wrong. Yeah. So I just wanted to knock it, it down. I mean, yeah, if my disenfranchisement means the country is 0.3% richer on a GDP graph, I don't yeah. care. No. That's not no, what no, I'm no. after here. But it's also false. It's also not the case. Uh, actually, um, various other kind of, um, studies have shown it costs us probably about $114 billion. Uh, between 1995 and 2011, immigrants cost the UK that uh, Migration Watch have been keeping on top of. And Good even people. if, even if that were the case, it looks like all of the gains that the uh, the legal immigrants putatively would have made for Britain have been wiped out simply by the illegal immigration. Uh, the government themselves say that this is costing three billion a year and rising. Um, and to deport them, they say it's going to cost six billion over two years, so three billion, so the same amount of money. Okay, well then just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Get rid of them. And obviously, this is why the UK government's like, well, we'll just give them amnesty. Just give them amnesty, bro. Like, they actually found a child in one of these pictures. Incredible. I mean, for me, I think a lot of this, it, it all ends up leading to this. This is what you see happening in the de um, devolved parliament in Wales, where they suggested that they would just outright give the right to vote to all of these people who are in the country illegally. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's partially part of the motivation. I don't just think these people are motivated entirely by ideology and liberalism. I think a lot of it is to do with these are just evil, power-hungry people <laughs> who want to stay in power and know that if they can just import an entire new demographic in and give these people benefits, then that will basically maintain their power 
for as long as they need it to. That's it won't good. necessarily work, but that's the idea. That's this is why the Labour Council areas and the, the Labour local authority areas have covered up essentially Pakistani Muslim rape gangs for so long because these are the people that vote them into power. Yeah. yeah. Something like 90% of Muslims in Britain vote Labour. Yeah. Ridiculous. Which is why the Labour Party is constantly pandering. Yeah. It's anyway, disgusting. We'll, we'll leave that there. But basically, um, this is all nonsense. <laughs> I hate it. Well, but the immigrants built Britain. I, I, re- I read an article earlier today that just completely destroyed that narrative, but that'll probably be something uh, for a different podcast. That's just so obviously not true. Right. You, yes. you can just look back at literally just from the 1980s or 1970s yeah. and see, and we, we've got the numbers. Like in 1980, 9% of the country was of non-English, non-Indigenous yeah. uh, stock. You know, that's just, we've got the numbers. So we know mm. it's just not true. That we haven't built anything since, well, <laughs> well, yeah. well, the last hundred years, really, have we? <laughs> yeah, that's another great the mass point. migration. Lots really of things started. have been falling down around us. Well, to be fair, let's be honest here. We've got a few hideous glass blocks yeah. in cities that yeah. we can say that we've built since then. So thank you for that modernity. Enjoy the gherkin. Thanks, Dan. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we've, we've spent enough time so far complaining about the UK. Let's take a look at Europe as a broader whole. because yeah, let's it's, complain about that. Yeah, it's not looking good at there over there either. So first, we, as always, we've got some excellent work on the website. Josh is 132 episodes into Contemplations, which if you have enough time for that, is worth going all the way through because you'll learn a lot of good things. And this one's talking about when does something become a vice? This is the most recent episode. And I think for Europe, at this point, migration is a vice. I think these people, they start shaking if they start to hear about migration figures possibly dropping on the graph. You know, I, I'm actually going to be covering how this is a vice in the final segment. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so, it absolutely well, is. Uh, w- yeah. William Hague has some uh, yes. interesting arguments no, no, it's in, literally on behalf. An addiction. Yes. But you, you look around Europe and you see that there are some countries that might actually be doing something about it or doing the right things yeah. about it from what you see. And it, Gives you, puts you full of hope because we've covered recently you speaking about how the far right, that being people who don't just want to import an entirely new population into their country, might be rising. There's a problem with that though, which is that these people bait and switch. These people come in and they say, we'll do this. And almost like the conservatives just do the exact opposite. In, in the West, I get that. I suppose you're hinting at Italy and places like that. But further east, when you look at Poland and Hungary, well, that's, that's I was very disappointed okay. this right. morning yeah. because. I have been looking into some of Poland, and there was this that I saw recently after all of the riots that have been going on in France. I was dropped perfectly, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you did actually. Thank you very much for that. This is slick, just like better than GB News, just like we said. Um, but this was Poland. This was their prime minister uh, posting this video on social media last or the week before when they were talking about France and saying, Look at how beautiful our cities are. We've managed to maintain our population and culture. Here's everything that's going nice. Whereas here's France. And. Uh, Here's everything on fire in it's France. It's very persuasive. Yeah. It is a very persuasive argument, I've got to say, because you know people go by their gut, people go by their emotions and their feelings. They yeah. don't understand arguments where somebody tries to rationalize out a GDP graph to them. Yeah. They see this, and it's a really great argument. And then you've got this as well, where a man was... Uh, this was also being put out by an Tarzinski. MEP. Yeah, Tarzinski, saying, look at Poland, we're so fantastic. We've not got any illegal migration in here. And or, or refugees, and we've got no terror attacks. Here's the guy saying, well, it seems like you're being a bit racist. You've I not taken any in. Yeah, and he's so zero. Good. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. And then you've got articles like this one where the EU is supposedly heading for a class with Poland over immigration. This all seems very, very promising. Because if I read through a little bit of this, so Brussels, 
has devised a plan, because they always have plans, five-year plans of various sorts, yeah. for dividing up amongst its member states the would-be migrants at the EU's doors. But Poland and Hungary aren't happy. The EU used to qualify majority voting, which is intended to allow a sufficient number of its larger countries to override a small number of holdouts to push the idea through, because that's what democracy ends up being in many cases with situations yep. like this. You just get bullied. Into, I mean, this is literally the tyranny of the majority. Yeah. It actually is. And I'm, I don't often agree with John Stuart Mill, but on this one, <laughs> this one time, I will, say, right on this. I will say, okay, yeah, you may have a point there. And uh, it carries on. Essentially, each member state will be given a quota and could then be charged €20,000 or £17,000 per head for falling short. This is supposed to be some kind of voluntary scheme where oh, yeah. you can either pay the money, we're not calling it a fine, but well, you can pay the money or you can take in the migrants. So they're essentially saying, how much is this worth to you? Which is just blackmail, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Poland and Hungary have been the only two holdout states whose objections were swept aside. And honestly, I got a little bit of hopes up looking at that and going, okay, Poland's actually holding out. Yep. Maybe there'll be a country that'll show us the way. Until Carl had to smash my hopes and dreams I was there with I my sand. In it. I was there with my sandcastle on the beach, smiling. and he decided to kick sand in my eyes and smash the whole thing down. Because then, I hope that's not a glimmer of hope in your heart. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let <laughs> that in the that. lotus eaters. No. And um, there, there's there's been this going on, and I, I thought once again, oh, okay, this sounds promising at first, but then you read a little bit more into it. So Donald Tusk is the leader of the opposition party from the majority in Poland at the moment. And he's been calling out the majority party and saying that you've been letting in too many migrants. And the figures that are quoted in here might be a bit true because but he Donald says... Donald Tusk, former president of the European Council, former <laughs> component in the architecture of the ruination of Europe, has gone back to Poland and been like, you're letting in too many migrants. Yes, oh, just exactly bloody... that. So it says in this article, so the, both the ruling nationalist law and justice party and the centrist opposition led by former European Council president, as you just mentioned, Donald Tusk, are raising fears about Muslim immigrants ahead of, the, ahead of this fall's parliamentary election. In a series of social media videos earlier this month that have gone viral in Poland, Tusk warned that the um, PIS, which is the abbreviation of the law and justice party, is trying to distract public attention and by denouncing the EU migration plan, which wouldn't actually see any people arriving in Poland. I mean, that's quite convenient for him to say, oh, the EU that I used to be heavily involved in wouldn't actually do anything wrong. But he does say that they would be opening the door to mass migration from Muslim uh, uh, countries. Excuse me. But this is literally like the Conservatives and Labour Party throwing out the red meat mm. when yes, it comes to the it, election. It is exactly that. I don't trust any of these no. major politicians. They're all in the same club. Yeah. They all believe the exact same things. They essentially just act as different faces. They're different heads of the same hydra. Yeah. They just yeah. swap in and out for the public's benefit every so often to make people feel like things are going to change, but everything just keeps going the same, just at varying speeds. So Tusk said that Kaczynski is preparing a document that will allow even more people to come from countries like Saudi Arabia, India, the Islamic Republic of Iran, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates, Nigeria, and the Israel... Islamic Republic of Pakistan. He went on to accuse the government of bringing in 130,000 people from those countries last year, 50 times more than when Tusk's party was in power in 2015. I don't think if this guy came in, it'd slow down at all, because no. that actually pretty much matches up with the sort of acceleration that we've been experiencing over here as well. After this fuss, following his first video, Tusk rode back a little bit. In the next one, he said, We need politics in which everyone, regardless of their place of birth, religion, color of skin, or their worldview, enjoys full respect and rights. You know, typical, just throw it out there. I'm not racist, by the way. There you yep. go. But he still hammered away at the increase of migration from Muslim countries in Africa. And here's where the figures come in. 
So in a record 2021, the government issued just over 500,000 work visas to foreign nationals, 24% more than in 2020 and eight times more than in 2015. Last year's number was only slightly lower at 470,000, but those figures include some work pits grant, uh, permits granted to EU citizens. But it will start that way. And then, as as mentioned there, it just opens the floodgates Half to more and more people. Million. Yeah, One even million. if it is from other uh, other EU countries, that's an unsustainable number to be letting into. I mean, at least when it happened to us, it was small numbers. It was like 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then it got up to the Small million. numbers, yeah. like 100,000 But, but they just start half a million. Yeah, that's it. It's God. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. So thank you for destroying the hopes yeah. and dreams. Why do you think this is? Is this because of the monetary kind of reasons that they, they, it might be? But it, se it seems that this has been going on since before um, to, these to, these threats were put in by the EU. So I can only assume why? it's either pressure from the European to foreshadow to foreshadow uh, the final article. It's demographics. Uh, they are complaining that European countries are losing population because yes, that was one of the things they say. Oh, um, Poland is now a more uh, economically successful country than we have been for the past 70 years, yeah. but we are losing our population right. because of the fact that we don't have birth rates. And instead of doing things like uh, policies to try and encourage people to have more children, they instead go, well, I guess we'll just have to import an entirely foreign population to replace all of you so that we can keep our GDP graphs. But then going. places like Hungary are doing that positive reinforcement. So is that working? Yes. I would imagine. They had a 5% increase last year. Yes. Hungary is actually the only place I can seem to find that seems to be pushing good policies in response to a lot of this. Um, Germany as well, you can see here, Germany, they're complaining about migration, but they, uh, the people complaining about migration want to assure you that uh, we're still not going to ally ourselves with those evil far-right Nazis in the uh, <clears throat> AFD. Those are, the AFD for carrying on, though. I, I, I know. They're winning elections. So Germany's conservative opposition said Tuesday that large-scale migration is one of the country's biggest problems, which means that I'm just, once, like you say, throwing out the red meat for the, elect, uh, for the voters. But the main re uh, And it's also the main reason for the recent surge in support for the far right, which is designated as the AFD. And that's a lot of the reason why a lot of these people do these things when they suddenly come out and say, okay, migration is a problem, because they know it generates electoral support for parties outside of the circle, outside of the spheres, outside of the party. So it's, it's silly. Uh, and Germany is you know, doing what they do. And then I found this interesting article from The Spectator, Spectator, I should say, talking about why Europe rights, which talks about, once again, the situation that goes on in Sweden, because it's referencing France, but it mainly talks here about Sweden which says, once a quintessential example of an open-minded society that welcomed immigrants has become one of the most violent countries in Europe. And they have about, police estimate, there are now more than 50 gangs, mainly in heavily immigrant communities. Police have identified 31,000 people in Sweden, not Swedish, I imagine, who have some connection to the gangs. We have never faced such ruthless criminality, said Anders Thornberg, national police chief in a recent interview. Sweden laws go easy on the under 21s, um, a model, he says, that is an open invitation to gangland violence. Isn't that amazing? That it, just, it used to be the most open and willing to uh, accept immigrants, and now it's a hotbed of violence that the Swedish police can't deal with. And then reality kicked them in the teeth. Yeah. It's sad. It always happens. And it, it, you are right. It's heartbreaking. I don't like talking about this sort of stuff because it does get me down. But it's important to know the facts of what's yeah. going on out there. So one court case was particularly striking that they highlight in this article here. So a teenage asylum seeker found work as a hitman. <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. Found how, work did you, how did you do that? 
Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I imagine these people have networks set up for when you get into the country. I need to do work. Okay, well, why don't you just go kill someone? Pay you some money for it. I it, was trying to get beer when I was a teenager. Trying to get beer. Well, I mean, he might be trying to get beer. It's just how he's, you know, earning the money for it. I guess. Yeah. But then he killed the wrong person and went on the run. <laughs> this being Sweden, his citizenship application was approved as he was on the run. <laughs> I don't, you know... Hey, look, all I'm saying is there's a demographic shortage in hitmen in Sweden. Perhaps. There probably I mean, aren't that many. Are they, are they helping GDP? We're growing the economy. Are they, are they adding to the economy? Maybe. He was caught but sentenced to just four years in prison. And in this prison, he was given access to the internet. He was given a single room and security so lax that inmates can arrange external dental appointments. And when he was on one, he tried to run away. What do you think of uh, Swedish justice, Calvin? Doesn't sound like they have any. No, it doesn't, yeah. does it? It really doesn't. Ridiculous. And as a result of this, other people who are going to schools, these um, asylum seeker teenagers, are now telling teachers that uh, I can take four if teachers start to annoy them. They're literally just saying to their teachers, I'm just, I'm, if, if you just keep annoying me, I'll kill you because I can take four years. You know, that's the precedent that's been set now. Four years, right. Wow. Goodness me. Yes. Absolutely ridiculous. And then, on to the last bit, which was one of the most shocking ones recently, which was Georgie Maloney. Ah, yes, the babe of the far right. Everybody remembers neo-fascist Georgia Maloney from last year. You know, even we put a lot of good words in for her because she, she sounded was, good. Yeah, she was saying a lot of the right things. She was saying good things. She was saying that she wanted to get the, um, uh, the rainbow lobby out of the country, which I think she is still doing for on, now. On social issues, she was sad, but she was still a globalist. She yes. was still in bed with the, the big WEF people and the Ukraine scandal and all of that. So, And that is showing through now, sadly, because this time last year, she was talking about how she wanted to call a naval blockade of Africa's Mediterranean coast. She uh, alluded to the Great Replacement Theory in one of her most controversial moments of her campaign. She showed a video of a Ukrainian woman being raped by an asylum seeker in an Italian city, saying that she could not remain silent in the face of this atrocious episode of sexual, sexual violence. So, wow, so based. Finally, we've got one of the yeah, yeah. one of these women on our side who's going to come in and do what we want, except no. No. Italy to grant work permits to 425,000 non-EU workers. So where are they going to be coming from? They're probably going to be coming from, what was that list that uh, Poland gave earlier or... Yeah. Germans gave earlier, whichever one it was, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, yeah. all of these countries, Pakistan, Afghanistan, this, this is where they'll be coming from. But what I love about this is like, they, they are just explicit in saying, well, this is about birth rates. Because mm -hmm. in, in Britain, we have something like a 1.6 or 1.7 uh, birth rates. Yeah, I think where it's down to 1.5. 1.5. Yeah. You need 2.1 for a, yeah. a sustainable population. Italy has one. So the Italian population is going to halve in the next like fifty years. Would you like? Would you rather die out as Italian, or would you rather change and no longer be Italian? Like, yeah. what do you want to be? Would you rather someone else inherit your country? I'd rather be Great Britain and die as Great Britain yeah. than to just replace Great Britain with something else. Or would you rather just but, do something useful to try and improve well, the yeah, birth rate right now? Like, we haven't had two point four kids since the 1960s. What changed in the 1960s? Yeah. Well, the sexual revolution, liberalism. Let's reverse some of these things. Let's reverse mass migration. Let's actually get pro-family Well, if we did place. that, then the people who are in charge right now probably wouldn't end up being in charge because they are not the people to lead those movements. It's, it's also, I mean, really, what we would have to do is ban birth control. That's what it would have to be. Yep. You're going to take it's, the Michael Knowles approach. Well, no, but that's, that's literally the reason. Contraception, abortion, mm -hmm. divorce, these are the issues. 
they, they are actually causing the unwinding of our civilization. And I mean, I just don't see how women are going to accept that at this point. Like they're not going to vote for it. And so, so we take their votes. Well, we, we've got to change our sex. <laughs> I don't think women are going to vote for that either. We, we're teaching sex well, we younger and younger. <laughs> we're, t- we're teaching kids how to have sex and, and to do so safely rather than say this is something that happens with, with, between two people that are married and this is how you get children. Like We've got to change how we're teaching what sex yeah, yeah. is about. The entire civilization would have to change. That's yeah, let's do it. And, uh, <laughs> it's not going to though. Find, well, find me a party. You, you need to stand on that and let's see how yeah, they get elected. Party, the Lotus Party. <laughs> you, you need, yeah, you do need fundamentally a, a circulation of the elites who are in charge right now. And the fa- fact of the matter is they have so many laws and so many obstacles set up in place that it's very difficult to even get in a position where you could try and do that. But the only mechanism we have to do that as well is democracy. And if the average person's like, well, I'm not happy with the Conservatives, I'm going to vote Labour, then we're just trapped in this downward spiral. Yeah, but uh, you you are right when you say it's about demographics. They say um, the the problem is that they have staff shortages in sectors including tourism and construction. Problem is, and I can't believe I always it's a, why is it always the satire channels on Twitter that seem to have a better grasp on these nations we've got, we've got going a drunk to, meme here. Yeah, we've got a drunk meme here where um, Maloney is screaming that we have a dire shortage of Africans standing around train stations selling fake designer handbags on the street. And if we go down and look here. Well, what's this? Oh, it's the youth unemployment rate between 15 to 24 year olds. At 30, almost 31%. Conscript. 31% almost. And Italy's like, guess we just got to import a massive amount of Muslims. This is what we need to do. We need people doing this. This will contribute to GDP. But this, this is fine. We can just leave this alone. Paying their taxes. So, yes, um, I hate politics. Yeah, and Europe is. But we can change it. This is the thing. Like you guys have this platform, we can change it. We can make a difference. If I hope to. That democracy, democracy is broken, but it can be fixed. Brexit taught us that. That was a bigger surprise to the elite. They didn't think we'd go that way. That is true. But the problem is getting into the minds of the average British person yeah. that you're not allowed to vote Labour or Stop Conservative. The Uni Party. Just and, and neither the Greens or the Lib Dems. All of that. You've got to find some real outsiders to actually vote. Well, I'm I'm glad that you two have got more faith in the system than I do. The system is the people that have faith in the system is messed up. But yeah. people can force their hand. Hopefully, it, it, they they just have to know that they should. But uh, anyway, so the final segment for today, and oh, just I I hate this <laughs> anything else in the world. But it's William Hague, former leader of the Conservative Party, has just come out and been like, yeah, you know what? It's the age of migration. There's just act of God. No one can stop it. Well, it's not like Britain has an, an ocean separating it from anywhere else. It's not like we have a navy. We don't have a single firearm in the entire country. We have just got to lay down our arms and welcome in whoever wants to come. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong. He's one of the ones who just uh, lost repeatedly against Tony Blair, right? Oh, yeah. So he just decided, oh, yeah, can't beat did. him. Can't beat him. Join him. Yep. Yeah, basically, it's 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 come to the position where he's look he he's he's basically saying, and we'll go through it in detail in a minute. But he's basically saying, look, the promises that were made to the boomers after the Second World War are unsustainable, and we will have to default on them if we don't dissolve England. And I say to that, tough. I don't care what the boomers were promised. I don't care. It's not my problem. If they didn't have enough children to sustain the promises that were made to them, then that's their fault. That's where this all comes down to. 
Uh, but before we go on, go to the website, sign up, support what we do here, because of course we don't get much else support, and go and watch my review, my review, my, my it is a review, uh, book club of Julius Savola's Revolt Against the Modern World, because my God, the modern world is coming to an end. It's genuinely come to an end. And one of the things I like about Butler is he has a cyclical view of history. Civilizations rise, and crest, and then they fall. Yep. And we can feel that we're in the falling place. Yep. And so this is incredibly pertinent to what we're talking about here, because what William Hague is trying to do is maintain us at the crest. And it's like, no, the energy has passed. The time has passed. We're coming to the close. We have to understand why we're coming to the close, who's responsible for this, and what's going to have to be sacrificed. Because when we were cresting, we had the world's largest empire. We had unbelievable amounts of money. And now we don't. And we haven't come to terms with the fact that there is going to be uh, rescinding of things that were made available to prior generations because the, the standard of living is going to have to go down or it's going to have to change because of things, uh, the, the circumstance just being different. Yeah. We are not living in that world anymore. And the sooner we get, we get used to that idea, the better. Uh, so let's, let's go to the article. Because this, I just, <sighs> even right-wingers know we need migrants. Which Why ones? Do... Maloney. Not that I know. <laughs> yeah, Maloney. Maloney. And who's it? Uh, not Donald Tusk. Who's the guy in charge of Poland at the moment? I, I, um, he's got a Polish name. Yeah, of course. Uh, like, was it Tarzinski or whoever? Yeah, Tarzinski, yeah. I think. The, they, he, this is who he's talking about there. Because like, look, they can say all they want about migration, but they're going to let in half a million a year because they need it to uphold a certain standard of living that Europeans have decided that God himself has ordained for them. Yeah. This, I'm sorry, just, I just want to point This picture above the headline combined with the headline is mocking me. It's yeah. mocking me and it's yeah. infuriating. I mean, it's, it's not going to be his problem or his children's problem because they're unbelievably wealthy. Does he even uh, have children? Probably. I, I, I didn't look at I'm that. going to look into <laughs> it. Feel free. But he, he doubtless does have children. Uh, but it's not his problem because, I mean... We were saying for the podcast, he bought like a two million pound estate in Wales. No children. Oh, really? Yeah. So no. Oh, really? No stake in society. Oh, really? That's very interesting. I should have looked that up, you know, because that is exactly the problem, isn't it? Like, hello, I had a bunch of promises made to me and my generation, and I failed to fulfill the requirements to maintain the system, and so you're going to have to pay the price for this. Well, yeah, Dan, I'm pretty sure, has probably covered uh, as brokenomics part of the problem with the pension system that we've got right yeah. now. is that we have Yes, yeah, the Ponzi scheme where we have far too few people at the bottom paying into the m mass of people who are at the top of it. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and yet the people, you know, the boomers who are currently enjoying their pensions feel like they are somehow entitled as if God himself demanded. I hope the P&O cruises are worth it. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. And it's like, look, that's just not going to carry on forever. But look, I mean, look at the framing. I hate all of this. Right? <laughs> He's just like, this is only the start of the age of migration. But don't we have a Navy? Don't we have the, I mean, because none of this is predicated on the physical inability to stop these people. It's a moral inability. But we've stopped recruiting soldiers for a long time now, haven't we? You've seen the, sure. the diversity, inclusion, and equality policies that our armed forces have. It's all about ticking boxes now. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're so we don't have soldiers. Well, it's about recruiting people who, like Haig, have no stake in the future of our society. So, if it ever did come down to arms, 
if there was some kind of World War Three event, I would not expect any of these people to stick around and fight on our behalf. They would go back home and fight on their own countries. Well, I don't even think that's true. I don't think they believe in society anymore. I think I think this this kind of open borders, like globalist agenda, doesn't believe in nations. So there's no point well, that's fighting true. for nationhood. That's certainly true. I don't I don't think any of them. Yeah, no, I think you're completely right because. I said this to Callum a while ago. We were in London. We were in one of the boroughs that's like literally 90% immigrant. Yeah, yeah. And I was just looking around. We were sat like at a pub and I was looking around like, I bet if there was a single gunshot, you know, a, a single Russian soldier that turns up, every single one of these people is going to flee. Yeah. No one is going to fight for this particular area of London. Never going to happen. And so, yeah. Are you telling me Tower Hamlets wouldn't stick around and fight? <laughs> no, they wouldn't. No, of course no. Because, and the thing is, like, in a, in a, like, there are going to be areas that are immigrant filled that have families in, right? And so people have got investments there. Yeah. But these, this area, I can't remember which one it was. This area is all like 20 to 40 first generation immigrants who are here for five years, 10 years, make some money, send home, and then leave, right? And so the, these are literally no, nomadic mercenaries you know, who occupy this area. And it's like, okay. But anyway, so he says, we are entering the age of migration. Measured in numbers of people, this is likely to be on a scale never known in human history. According to the latest UN forecasts, the population of Africa and the Middle East is set to grow by 320 million by the end of this decade and 1.17 billion by 2050. So stock up on ammunition. So, the, I mean, the remarkable <laughs> thing is that he's just saying, okay, these places halfway across the world are going to have increasing population. So it's just take it for granted that they're going to end up here. One way or the <laughs> yeah. other, they're going to end up here. We should hope that those vast numbers of young, digitally connected people will prosper in strong economies and stable political systems. Hey, that sounds likely, doesn't it? Digitally connected. Well, is that because the NGOs go out and give them phones with Facebook already preloaded onto it? Do you think the Middle East is going to have a strong economy and stable political system? I just can't get my head around the short-sightedness. <laughs> Rather than saying, okay, yep. these places are growing rapidly. What are they doing? How are they growing? We're saying, let's bring them here instead. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It is only realistic to assume that many will be driven by poverty, persecution, and accelerating climate change to search for opportunity or safety elsewhere, particularly since they can research the countries that might provide that on their phones. How did they get phones? The NGOs. The NGOs. <laughs> no, the, the, the Tony Blair Institute is how they got what, their phones. What I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm looking forward to the collapse of the West sometimes. I genuinely look forward <laughs> to it. Because then, that won't be a problem, will it, William? You know, they're not going to be like, hang on, this this mystical, magical box I have in my hand doesn't have a signal because whoever made this is not available. No, you're, you're right, actually. Sure. When Wi-Fi and data and all the signals go down, it, I will no longer have any temptation to doom scroll yeah. ever again. So that's a positive yeah. to look forward. It's true. But anyway, it's realistic to assume that adventurers are going to come and take our loot, is what William is saying. Much smaller numbers that have moved northwards in recent years are already transforming the politics of Europe. Last week, the Dutch government fell, brought down by irreconcilable differences over migration policies. Hard-right parties have entered government in Italy and hold balance of power in Sweden and have just won a local election in Germany. Although the next presidential election in France is three years away, the prospect looms over Europe that it could be won by Marine Le Pen, fortified by the backlash against violent riots and a promise to pass strict laws limiting immigration. I wish. So I just wanted to expand on a point that, that you, you made where you're saying, like you say, they're just expecting them to just come straight over here. Right. I think there's, there's a, yeah. a number of different cruelties to that in the way that it affects people's culture. Because you're expecting these people to come over here and what we're expected to do as the, the natives of, the, of, of England, we're expected to give over our culture to the globalist hegemony so that we can make these people welcome. But they're also expected on some level to give up their culture as well. So we come 
they all come to England so that we can all live this grey, homogenous, cultureless life to, uh, together for the sake of what? So that some massive corporations and conglomerates can improve their profit margins. I don't think they are expected to give up their culture. I think we're expected to embrace their culture. I really detest it that, you know, if I went to a, a Muslim country, which I'd never do, I'd be expected to follow their way mm. of life and, you know, dress appropriately, speak appropriately and, and such. Well, we've already had Callum do that over here so, for us. So, But I can't stand when it's, when, totally when it's the other way around. It doesn't work. You, know, you, you can refuse to shake the hand of the Princess of Wales, for goodness sake. Like, that's yeah, a true. common courtesy. That's polite manners. That's standard etiquette in this country. Like, if you come to this country, follow the standard cultural norms of this society that we're in. Otherwise, don't bother. I can't stand the idea that actually when people come here we're supposed to respect their culture and live by their norms it's like what are we who are we we don't care about who we are anymore and that's exactly the point that we're at uh he anyway he carries on saying uh the migration played a key vote in the leave to uh, in the vote to leave the european union which it did and of course uh the conservatives are trying to get the rwanda relocation policy sorted but the the point about this particular paragraph is that He's saying that nobody wants to be flooded by the global south. I was like, yeah, that's true. Nobody wants that, right? And then he carries on. If we are only in the early stages of the age of migration, the intense divisions already aroused by it do not bode well for the future of politics of this continent, already destabilized by anger on both sides. All vote, uh, voters are demanding governments show that they are in control of their borders, and those demands are hurting many left-wing parties associated with greater openness to migration. Why does a conservative sound like he's lamenting that? Oh, this this far right rising is really hurting the left. Well, because conservative. the conservative party is not right wing in the slightest. The conservative <laughs> no, no, party slightly. is the most left wing party that England has ever had yes. in its history. Even more so than Tony Blair's Labour, because they took Blair's leftist policies and ran with them yeah, even I mean, further. Tony Blair never let in a million immigrants a year. He just didn't do it. And that's not just that's not to say Tony Blair did good things because he yeah. opened the door to allow yeah, it in the first place. At least with Tony Blair, he was visionary, right? He had, he had ideas. <laughs> Pragmatic. Terrible, evil right. ideas. Horrible ideas, but he had ideas. The conservatives yeah. just maintain his ideas. They haven't done anything. This is why when you ask them what they're proudest of, they always say, well, gay marriage, because the only change they've made is completely liberal change. <laughs> but other than Brexit, they've not done a single thing, and Brexit was think, forced upon them. You're yeah. right. I think David yeah. Cameron is still grandstanding on oh, that yeah. being so his sad. big achievement. So so he says the response from the right cannot be so simple as preventing migration because the second clear conclusion from population forecasts is the need of European countries for migrants is inescapable. So because we need the cheap labor. We need it. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, that's literally it because otherwise we might have to accept a slightly lower standard of living. Tough. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's I, tough. I think that given basic divisions, if there were less people in this country, Fewer people, sorry. Uh, there were, were you an English teacher? Sorry. No. <laughs> if there were the comments, people will be there's oh, no okay, excuse, oh, yeah. Harry. All of your alt accounts will be in the comments. <laughs> I don't need an alt account. Uh, yeah, if there were fewer people in the country in the first place, I think um, there would probably be a higher standard of living for those people in the first place because the institutions that we have and uh, the places like the NHS wouldn't have to struggle with the amount of of um, pressure that's put on them. But the also, if, if we're right living now. off the land, right? So the policies we have are counterintuitive right now. We're, we're encouraging farmers to stop farming. Mm. We're encouraging agriculture to die out. And all of this is nonsense because if there's a so-called climate crisis, we should be planting more trees and getting to work with the ground again and getting people farming again. But we're not. Well, we need to pave over those areas so we can build more houses for the, for the well, that's, that's, We're not even doing that. 
No, but, but yeah. you're exactly right, though. It, you you would think if if we were sort of a self-respecting country, we would be looking at the circumstances that we're moving into and, yeah. and make appropriate maneuvers. Right. Maneuvers. Instead, we're acting as if we're some kind of imperial power. Still, we're like, no, no, we'll use the human resources of other places for our service. We'll get their food. We'll get their labor. We'll get their minerals. You know, we're actively undermining it. I think right yeah. now we're eighty percent self-sufficient in terms of grain supply. And we know really? that's that's one of the most important measures of any nation, right? And we're trying to reduce that number by encouraging grain farmers to yeah. to stop farming. Like we should be increasing that to one hundred percent. We should be a self sufficient nation. Why would we not want to be? Because we want the cheap labor. We want the cheap exactly. Labor. Everything has to be cheap rather than good. Yes, because and again, it it all comes from essentially the Ponzi scheme schemes of social services that we offer. In fact, he'll he'll get to it. In fact, right? He and he will explicitly lay it out. UN projections show that 61 countries around the world can expect their populations to enter absolute decline before 2050, and most of those are in Europe. And the Europeans then get what they deserve, don't they? As their people become older and sicker, Europeans, old and sick, yeah. they need migrants. There can be no starker illustration of this than last Friday's announcement by the Italian government, led by the hard-right premier Giorgio Maloney. Elected on a stridently anti-immigration platform and battling to control illegal entry into Italy across the Mediterranean, the administration said it would give 425,000 work permits to non-EU nationals to ease labor shortages in sectors such as tourism and construction. But we don't have those problems. Our problems are pensions and the NHS. These people don't know what hard right means, do they? No. Right? The idea of the New Conservatives, a group of Tory MPs calling for tougher immigration controls, come up against the same reality. The only way they could arrive at a plan to reduce numbers to about a quarter of a million a year was to stop visas being granted for care workers. But this would immediately produce an intensified crisis in social care. Well, then social care goes away, doesn't it? Like these things are all things that used to be done by friends and family members. Yeah. Then they were outsourced to the state. So true. And the people who outsourced them were like, right, that means I don't need friends or family members. I don't need children to take care of me. I don't need to know who my neighbors are. The state's going to take care of me. And now we've arrived at the point where we either dissolve England yeah. or make people live by the consequences of their own decisions. That's it. We've divorced ourselves of consequences and yeah. responsibility. That is exactly it. And Hague is saying it. He's saying, no, we can't expect people to pay for the consequences of their own actions. Of course we can't. We're the government. <laughs> we're we're but, the conservative government. The other way around, we are the problem too because we expect the state to look after us. We expect Absolutely. our pension. We expect a free health care. We expect the state to teach our, educate yeah. our children. We've got yeah. to stop all of that. We've got to take responsibility back for our own lives no, I, and for our children and our parents and our grandparents. I'm so totally in favor of that, Yeah, honestly, at this point. I mean, honestly, um, having come from a bit of a smaller, tight-knit community uh, from where I originally come from, that's just much nicer in the first place because if you know everybody around you, if you have relationships with everybody around you, what you're describing there with outsourcing everything to the state is you become detached from society around you except for those benefits that you get from the state. And it's a miserable existence being completely isolated like that. It's the difference between community and communism, isn't it, essentially? Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's totally right. Uh, anyway, they, they also want a drastic reduction in student visas, which would devastate the income of our universities. Good. We need to close half of them anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're so in favor. Oh, you're really selling me on this, William. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is the awkward reality for all of us on the right. Us on the right. How dare he? Yeah. <laughs> so, if he's right wing, then I must be far right. <laughs> who have promised low immigration in the past. Unless you can magically create a younger, fitter, more willing and better trained population, you need migrants, right? I, so, I like the idea of a younger, fitter, more. Yeah, I, I agree. But what I like about it is Britain, old and sickly. Migrants, young and sexy. So, okay, William. Thank you. 
He's looking at the the men, the photographs of them coming over oh, on the okay. boats, okay. licking his lips. He's he's jealous of the pictures of Macron. <laughs> <laughs> there is a corresponding new reality for the left. An open door policy towards immigration will be inadequate for the new age and will incidentally bring electoral annihilation. Hardline Tories might be struggling to make their numbers up, but the Labour equivalents trying to weaken Rishi Sunak's clampdown on illegal migration also need to prepare for the new age. Why are you helping the opposition? Uh, Keir Starmer's rhetoric has become tough on, tougher on immigration, but the detail of Labour policy still suggests a weaker approach. That's true. That it, absolutely. True. Absolutely. So nothing's going to change. Right? You vote Labour, you're going to get exactly the same amount of what Keir Starmer says. Yep. And it's because of the, the systemic issue that is predicated on what is essentially a Ponzi scheme that the British public simply do not want to admit this can't go on forever. So what are our options? Guy Fawkes, uh, an absolute monarchy, I'm in favor of that one. Okay. I'm not I mean, really I'm bothered either way about those things. Charles I, would need to be guided somewhat, but still, I'd prefer I mean, it to this. I spent a couple of years trying to get Reform, Reclaim, UKIP, and yeah, you know, yeah. Heritage together. I thought maybe a, a right wing party might be good, you know, like what UKIP did and what the Brexit party did. I don't think that's possible. But if people do start voting for these smaller parties, yeah, like you say, and stop voting to. for Labour, the Lib Dems, and the Conservatives, then we'll be all right. But it, 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 requires the British public to admit yeah. and accept that they don't live in the post-imperial state. Like then they're, they're not the center of world focus anymore. We don't have the money that we used to have. We don't have the population we used to have. The it's decline not. is real and we're living in it. I think you know what's, frustr- oh, sorry. You know what's frustrating about all this? So Lawrence Fox has just done some polling you know, yeah, yeah. where he's obviously running. 80% of people agree with him on all, all of his policies, but they'll still go and vote for Labour or the Conservatives yeah. anyway. It's like, why? Yeah. That, that, that's the major problem what you're saying that I think people already intuitively recognise everything that you're saying there Carl especially so. if you were to tour the pubs of the UK I can be guaranteed they'd yeah. be much more likely to fall on our side of these matters yeah. than uh, than anything that Labour or the Conservatives are putting forward to them. it's the fact that people just don't vote or at least they don't vote for the parties that do actually support them and that's what Dominic Cummings picked up on he went around the pubs he spoke to the people he realised that they were in his favour with vote leave but then he got the messaging across to get it gave people permission to vote and to vote differently. Like we need to give them that permission, that agency again. People don't feel like they have that agency. I just can't stand it. And the, the, and the, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going to go too far. Uh, <laughs> Do we need a conqueror to come in and reclaim the, the, the crown, an actual monarch who's going to rebuild the empire and you know, I'm not even bothered about rebuilding the empire because what we could do is make... I, actually, I do think the majority of the British public have still got the sort of correct work ethic. You know, I think they would be like, well, I Protestant deserve... Ethic. Yeah, exactly. The, the, work the Zoomers ethic. would need a bit of a kick up the backside. Sure, but, but they, they can get it, right? Um, it Really, it's, it's the kind of... It's the boomer mindset of, well, we are the preeminent people of the world and therefore we deserve the, the most high-class uh, existence in all of human history. It's I, like... Well, you're not, and you don't, and you haven't fulfilled the obligations required to maintain it. I wouldn't even necessarily say the boomer mindset is, we are the most predominant people in the world. I think the boomer mindset is, I am the most predominant person in the entire world. But collectively, they they believe they're entitled to a bunch of things. It's like, actually, you can't have those things. They they were the first one to be as um, materialistic and individualistic. Oh, absolutely. That has led to a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. And, And so... Essentially, they've left it to their grandkids who are going to find themselves with a, a collapsed system or a collapsed country. And I think that, well, in England, we've been poor before, and that's been okay. We've, we've weathered it, right? And we've 
we've worked hard and we will do okay for ourselves. We haven't been in the position where we don't have England anymore, where we don't have Britain anymore. We haven't been in that position. I actually, that's not the position I want to be in. You know, that's, oh, that's scary. Yeah, it's, it's a very scary position. And it sounds like it's very diff- difficult to recover from. But we can recover from poverty by just working hard. You know, we can, we can be frugal. We can be diligent. You know, we can do those things. But we can't accept just the loss of the nation itself. And so that's essentially what William Hague is advocating here. He's saying, look, we have to lose the nation in order to provide pensions for boomers. And I'm just like, no. The day of the pillow I mean, can't come too the soon. The most honest title for this, seg- for this um, article would have been, I hate you die, as far as I can tell. No, no, no. The most honest title would be, it's time to sacrifice England. That's what it is. means the same thing to me. <laughs> Um, he does. Uh, he does carry on a bit more, but I'll just go straight to the uh, the final paragraph, just because the inevitability of all of this it's it's locked into our futures, right? He says, if the future is one of continuing high levels of immigration, the promotion of shared identity becomes even more important. What possible shared identity can we have from with strangers from all around the globe? Like, if it was like. I don't know Germans or French coming over. At least we have something there. If it's Nepalese, at least we have something there. But this is the fundamental problem, isn't it? People like him will not say what our identity is. So therefore, we have no identity. Therefore, we have everything in common with everyone. Well, exactly. It comes exactly. back to us all being beige nothingness. Yes. Brit- as a beige person myself. <laughs> <laughs> Britain has done better on, on this than many of our neighbours. Look how many of our political leaders are children of immigrants. Which does tell you a lot, actually, about this country. But moreover, look at how competent they all are. Look how many of them don't have children. But we should not be complacent. The coming age of migration is another reason to ensure that citizenship carries obligations as well as rights. Labour's David Lammy put it well. No, he didn't. I don't even know what he's going to say. No good sentence starts with David Lammy put it well. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Whatever you're going to say next, William. I know that is wrong, right? I agree with David Lammy. I'm a conservative. Yes. Let me put it well in advocating compulsory national service. Oh, he wants to take the Israel solution. But to I this. love the idea that we're going to bring over foreigners and literally enslave them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's David Lammy's idea, is it? Going to work right, for okay. that pension. I do like the idea of compulsory national service. Sure, but not, not for, for migrants. Foreigners. Yeah, exactly. You know that. Yeah, compulsory national service for our children. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, bit. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I- Honestly, I think that looking back at my own teenage years, I think, God, if I'd been sent oh. to the military, oh, yeah, I'd, as well. I'd have been brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I wasted my you 20s. Don't put yourself Oh, there. thank you, Calvin. You too. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, Lammy's suggestion is enslave foreigners to break down the divides that are becoming entrenched in modern society. I'm sure they Sounds won't be... racist. I'm sure they won't be resentful <laughs> against this at all. Uh, and so he says, such proposals for integration, and that, that's integration, right? That's in- integration is done through intermarriage. This is just historically the fact. When a foreign population moves into a, an area with another population, the integration only happens through intermarriage. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what the rape of the Sabine women is about, right? Like, and this this just happens all the time. Like Paraguay banned Spanish marriage in the 19th century to make sure they wouldn't have a Spanish overclass, and so the the dictator of Paraguay just made it illegal for Spaniards to marry. Wow. But, I mean, I mean, if you you know, we we badmouth liberalism a lot, but. <laughs> That, that wasn't that's, that, that's an incredibly <laughs> illiberal yeah. position to take. If I mean, I I still care about people being able to exercise their own decisions and their own in, sure. in, in, in a sphere of liberty. I think that would be a bit of a 
that would be a bit far for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not advocating that. What I'm saying is, it's historically... Well, it seems to be what he might be advocating for without realising it. Maybe, but historically, it's always been recognised that integration means intermarriage. This is why uh, tribes on the, the Mongolian steppe would exchange women yeah. to marry into households. This is why you, like the, the monarchs of Europe yeah. would marry women from outside of their country uh, you know, through the line. It, it is done through intermarriage, right? and we're not encouraging that. Only 7% of the relationships in this country are mixed race. Most people, 93% of people, marry within their own group. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's I, really low. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, if people want to make their own decisions in that way, then fine. Exactly. Whatever. You can't help it. And I don't want to be in charge of it. I'm just saying it's not happening. I think, I think if the government put themselves in charge of it, we would see very bad... I mean, whenever the government puts yeah. themselves in charge of anything these no, days... We keep putting them in charge. We've got to stop expecting the government to solve these issues for yeah, us. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. But, Other uh, than putting a cap on immigration entirely. Well, yeah, I'm, in, I'm totally in favor of just stopping it. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll say, well, but what about the NHS? I'm like, oh, what about the NHS? Yeah. yeah. What about the social care? Uh, what about it? You know, what about the universities? What about the schools? I know it's all great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for all of this state mandated stuff to fall apart. Anyway, um, we'll leave that there. Just... We can build back better. Yeah, exactly. We can level up finally. But, they, 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 but this is the, the sole reason they're doing this. They're looking at the inheritance from the 20th century and saying, well, look, this isn't sustainable. And if it can't be sustained, then maybe it should. All right, let's get on to the video comments. Hi, guys. I was just wondering if you were going to touch upon the movie The Sound of Freedom or rather oh, the media sure. and the left-wing response to it. As it turns out, Tim Ballard, the man the movie is based upon, has actually done a lot of interviews lately at alternative media, so maybe you can reach out to him. Hmm. I listened to some of the interviews, and they are hard to sit through but that's also why this is important this one you need to touch upon it i hope you do cheers that's very good yeah i mean i've been hearing a lot about it and i've been seeing a lot of the media response yeah. to the film since it came out and they were just saying what was it QAnon conspiracy fever dream it's based on a real person this is the single most important film in a long in a long long time this is exposing what's going on not just where it's filmed, but all around the world. And people who are fighting against it, the pushback against it, we have to question what is their motives. You know, I think we them? can make some educated but, guesses as to the motives. But you can, you can tell that it always comes from exactly the same political position. Like, I, I mean, it literally, it's the most partisan thing. I'm against child trafficking. You're a bigot. Yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. What, a, what an odd thing to say. Yeah, exactly. In the words of Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's literally what an odd thing to say. Yeah. Why, did, why are you speaking? You know, why does this provoke you into ire against the right wing? You uh, see places like, you know, Netflix put out that horrible, which was practically kiddie porn, that oh, film. Cuties. Yeah, uh, yeah, so the people that promoted cuties but tried to suppress this. Yeah. It's obvious. Yes, it's clear what's going on. I also, I, I also just like covering some media stuff in the first place. And I also will at some point do a segment on that. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the most recent series of Black Mirror? No, no. no that, I did, and it was awful. I, I only watched the last episode of it. It's called Demon 79, and it's about, it's set in the 1970s. And it, well, 1979, as you'd imagine. It's about some uh, Indian or Pakistani immigrant teaming up with a literal demon to murder people to stop the end of the world happening. Uh, murdering English people. Yeah, murdering English people specifically, including one Tory MP who is characterized as a Nazi because he doesn't like immigration. Wow. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the most transparent I've ever seen propaganda like that. 
it's also really against the sort of spirit of what Black Mirror is. Black Mirror oh, is yeah. meant to be like, you know, warning stories for the future and what yeah. technology could bring. And a bunch of these, it's not just the end one, a bunch of them were set like in the 20th century. And it's like, that's weird. Like, why are you doing historical? Yeah. It's become cultural propaganda. Because, well, exactly- I mean, Charlie Brooker. He's still doing it, though. I, th- I believe so. Yeah. He is a massive lefty, and I looked yeah. into it, and he's got, he's married to a Muslim woman. So that would explain yeah. some of his more, uh, some of the things he must have okayed for Demon 17. Like Demon Jihad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it is, because it's not Islamic, right? The, the, like, the, there's nothing Islamic about the story. It's actually more modern leftism, where it's yes. like, here's the diversity. Diversity is good. And in every single episode, the diversity is good. And all of the English people are bad. And they're all just evil people. And the and English so people, okay kill yeah, the English people in that episode deserve to die because, yeah. uh, well, initially they were just mean to her or rude to her, or maybe were just acting like English people. Fair and then right. later on, they have to justify it by saying, "Oh, actually, he was m- uh, molesting someone." You know, the people that they killed. So it's the initial emotional response you're supposed to get is evil English person, whereas the actual uh, explanation that justifies it comes after that. Right. Very disturbing. But let's move on to the next comment. Bleach Demon has been chosen. The great and wise Bleach Demon Bleach appears Demon. shouting, Holy, don't play that, and bonks me. <laughs> Just as you're trying to comprehend what went wrong, a bright light fills the shrine. It's not the same as the orb's glow, this light is pure and blindingly white. As your eyes adjust, an enormous figure takes shape. It's the Bleach Demon, the purifier, the deity you pray to. (laughs) With a booming voice that echoes through the woods, it shouts, homie don't play that, and to your utmost surprise, it bonks you on the head with a large, spectral hand. What? What? Was was that 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 a base tape comment? John, was that base... (laughs) Right. Oh, okay. Okay, so John, what John just told me was that that is an AI-generated Dungeons and Dragons-style game that Base Tape decided to send us a little clip of, uh, presumably working in action. So that sounds very interesting, and we've got a little advertisement on screen. Was that Forty Eight Chronicles? Right, right. Okay, so yeah, check that out. It was certainly something. Let's carry on. Do we have any more video comments? Uh, that's it, I think. No, that's it. Let's go through some of the written comments. Should I or? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. George Hap says, happy to see Calvin Robinson back. He's one of my favorite recurring guests. Oh, thank you, George. Very kind. More Calvin appreciation from General High Ping saying, always good to see Calvin back on the podcast. Enjoyed the recent array of guests, old and new. Thank you very much. And Ross Diggle says, always love Calvin being on the show. Him correcting Harry's grammar was just the cherry (laughs) on the cake. Listen, I'm Northern, okay? You've got to give me some leeway you for it. You can't say I'm Northern as yes, if I that means some sort of inferior speech. Yeah. No, it's a basically a mental uh, illness. Let's, <laughs> what did you just call I me? just called you Callum, yeah. Oh, thank you for the lovely comments. You guys are great. Yes, and if you want to follow Callum, I don't know if we've got that up on the screen, John. Yeah, we've got that up on the screen. Do you want to advertise yourself? Not really, but calvinrobinson.com. All my social <laughs> media things are on there. My address is on there. You know where I am. All right. Let's read through some of the other comments that we've got then. I don't, just before you, you can't say I'm Northers as an excuse. <laughs> hey, I'm a yes, I, absolutely I'm Northern. I don't have standards. No, you're not. No, that's your view. Oh, yeah. I, I know I'm not. Yeah, my standards are, is there gravy? If so, <laughs> yes. If anything, the North is what remains of England. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I, I speak about this quite a lot. The place where I'm from um, in Cheshire, 
which that some doesn't sound very north. Some some argue isn't the north, but it's north enough for me. All right, I say Bath, I don't say Path or anything like that. Okay, okay. place where I'm from, um, uh, there are still quite a lot of communities there where they're in small towns where they don't have any massive high rises, they don't have um, a, 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 any ethnic enclaves of foreigners in there. They just have people who all know each other, who all grew up around each other, yeah. and who all run into each other at the pub every other night. And it's like where I'm from too. Yeah, it's absolutely lovely. That's what I miss, honestly. Community. Yes, yeah. it, is, it is wonderful to know that they're still out there in the country. Although where I'm from in Mansfield, it has changed recently because everyone did know everyone. It was a big community, but there's been a massive uh, demographic change of Romanian and Polish people. Oh, okay. It's been too rapid that I don't think there's been integration. Yeah, I think the same similar thing happened to the place down the road from where I was in, in Crewe, um, which has a big Polish and uh, I don't know about Romanian, but it certainly has a big Polish community. But for the most part, they're, they're still nice people. But uh, anyway, I'll just uh, read through some of these comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lord Nerevar for um, your first segment. Uh, says, the more I hear about these migrant schemes, the angrier I get. No conservative government, we do not want to accept thousands of chances into our homes for your ridiculous diversity agenda. We want them all to go home. At this point, I'll accept no other solution than total repatriation. These schemes have ruined my town and done worse than many others. Touched a nerve today, boys. I completely understand yeah, I that. I mean, that, that, that's the thing for me. I, I dread to think what would happen if this came and touched where I'm from. Because if I went back home one day, and the entire place was completely different, and I just had... It was like Swindon. Yeah, if it was like Swindon, and I was going out, and there were people, prayer mats on the floor, all facing towards Mecca, I would cry. I would honestly Mate, break five down. five years ago, it was not like this. Five years ago, Swindon was just a normal English town. It was just totally normal. Like, I'd bump into people I knew on the street. Now it's just literally like well, the Tower of Babel. Mate, where I live, I don't know if I'm bumping into people I know because all, all I see is that. <laughs> Full nick up. You yeah, don't know who you're, who well, you're yeah. talking to or yeah. bumping into. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's but, the most anti British thing ever. We've been gaslit into saying being offended by it makes you a racist. But it, like, it, it's not like there's even like a consistent culture that's forming in Swindon. Like, there are people from literally all over the world, all different corners of the world, who have come and now sat for some reason in Swindon. Why exactly why Swindon right but and so like oh, everyone I know just feels like a total alien now and it's like look we haven't moved what it is is the ne uh, the negation of culture yeah when you get all of these people come in and everybody every single different street has a, a different type of person down it yeah it's impossible you to don't, form a culture you don't yeah. get anything other than that that grey blob that's what I'm referring to when I say yeah. the grey homogenous blob of, blob of globalism is that, that you just get no culture whatsoever but it's also the powerlessness of the people themselves right they, there's nothing they can, any of these groups can't challenge the institutions in any way shape or form because they're totally dependent on them they can't form a power block of their own because they can't form connections with their neighbours they can't understand their, their language They've got no no connection. They're total strangers to each other, and so it's the most. It's honestly, it's the most Machiavellian way for the global order to just take over and maintain unchallengeable control. You know, you've got this total surf class that is being paid for by the under surf class, which is us, <laughs> who will never understand why they are what they're doing is bad, and why they should even object to it. It's the gang culture that really gets me. We're, we're importing all this nonsense that, you know, when I was younger, I used to see in, in France and other countries, yeah, yeah. you see the Romanians on the tube that put the little tissue down next to you, they come back later and, and expect you to be paying for it. Have you seen that? No, no I've not yeah. seen that. So no, as, no. As, you, as you get on the train, they, they walk down past you, they, they plonk a little mini pack of travel tissues next to you, they go all the way down the train. It's usually got a little note saying, I'm Romanian or I don't speak English, I'm poor, yeah. please donate to me. 
that they come back and expect money for it or that they take their tissues back. And it's the same people that, you know, you see them on the street, they, they sit on a piece of cardboard or they've got crutches or they try to make themselves look disabled uh, and they're begging. But then you see them 10 minutes later, they jump into a car, drive down the road with their gangmates and jump out and set up again somewhere else. And it's, this is all stuff that I used to see in foreign countries, but now it's everywhere in London. Well, I'm not buying the tissues. No. Yeah, you can have the tissues Because they're not truly poor. This is the problem. It's, yeah. a, gang, it's a gang culture. Yeah. Yeah, on to the next one. Ethelstan95 says... Sounds name. Yeah, it's name. a great name. Do the reports factor in less direct costs such as impact on communities and business by elevated crime levels or the health costs to those victimized? Of course. Of course no, yeah. the, the never consider such things. Well, yeah, the, the 2014 one is a very um, thin study where it's just, well, how much money did they claim in benefits? How much did they pay in taxes? Ah, oh, look at that. We, we have a net positive. And it's like, yeah, but you're not including the amount of extra costs on the NHS and stuff. And when migration wants to factor all of that sort of stuff in, well, look at that. We're, we're 100 billion in the hole. Of course. And they're not taking into account because they don't care the cultural costs no. that come with it as well. You, you Breaking up communities. You can't quantify that. You, you can't. I consider it priceless. Well, it is. Yeah. Joan of Arc, if they want normal folks to house migrants, then every MP should be chomping at the bit to be first to host. No, no. Yeah, that's what I said on GB the other day. Yeah. I said if Brandon Lewis wants to promote this, he should be the first one. Lead the way. Take of some course. In. Yeah, go on. But he won't. Because of course you won't. Yep, Lord Nerevar again. Lord, uh, Poland wants to be careful with how much it mocks countries like France and Germany for being swamped with illegals. They're becoming a more and more desirable prospect to a lot of Europeans and Brits, and eventually they may end up with floods of European immigrants escaping their own cla collapsed caliphates. <coughs> no, they're gonna they're gonna get the same treatment. They they probably it's all will. gonna go in the same way. Although I did, did you do you watch Grand Tour? You know, you know what it is, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's the they, they did. They did a recent one where they were doing a, what they called the the um, best road trip ever. And the, as part of it, they went through Warsaw and they went through Poland. Yeah. And I was looking and going, "God, that looks like a beautiful place." I oh, it, it looks looks so peaceful as well. And I was thinking, hmm, escape route possible. True. <laughs> I, I love Poland. I think it's fantastic. I also love Croatia. I haven't been to Hungary yet, but I really mm. want it's the top of my list. I do love these places, but I wouldn't move there. For that very reason, because they want to protect their culture yeah. and their identity. I would feel like an invader. Right, we would be. I'm tempted to go to Texas or Florida, but yeah. do you know what was weird about Warsaw? Is just how unpopulated it was. Because you go to London, and obviously the streets are utterly crowded, yeah. and so you're constantly hemmed in by people. Uh, whereas I went to Warsaw, and it's just quite open. Like it's actually, you know, there are people on the streets, but it, it's just a tenth of the population that London has. You know, so it's just. You don't feel like you're crowded. It doesn't feel like being in London. It feels like it's quite a livable place. And that's one of the things I like about places that are just less densely populated. You've got more room to breathe. And for one, if England was less densely populated, I would like to be able to drive up the M5 without being <laughs> caught in a bloody traffic yeah. jam from one end to the other over 200 miles. That's just, but that's just me. Well, that's <laughs> another thing, isn't it? Like our infrastructure was built like 30, 40 years ago, yeah. if not more. Like it's just not. Huh. But also the, the culture, the environment. Like the thing I love about Poland is wherever you go, you see Christ. Like there'll be Our Lady there, be nice. there'll be a cross there. Like wherever we go around London, we see rainbow flag there, pride flag there. So it's on Us a subconscious there. level, it's saying, who are we as a people? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what idols do we worship? Exactly. Shaker Silver, Carl, the leaders aren't stupid. You've just been colonized, as Harry said, law of conquest justifies that native populations have no say. Now retreat to your English reservations and let the goal, uh, global populace and their neoliberal masters enjoy their conquered land. So, if there on, was, if there on, was on, an English on. reservation, 
that would be somewhat better at least they'd at least be showing that they care about our well-being on some level well they, they remember they it, it's very easy to look at what's being done and say okay these people are just evil right it's it's very easy to do that um and i'm not saying that they're not evil uh and it's I, not intentional is that what you're saying for them they're trapped in a particular no no but they they tell us explicitly what they're the reason they do this for they're like no we're trapped in a particular paradigm but the boomers, who are the, the voting block we depend on, yeah. are not going to vote for us if we don't say we're going to maintain the, the triple lock on pensions or whatever, right? And so they are trapped in a very like prosaic uh, political paradigm where these kind of high-minded considerations about culture, the future of the country, things like that, high-minded, I mean, you know, what, what in, other, in other types of places were very basic concerns, uh, are, are, are completely off the table because the boomers won't vote for it. And that will destroy the entire political career of these um, people. And so it's not that they are thinking, right, how can I destroy England today? They don't, it, like that That would be better because at least we would have a, a kind of a genuine like Sauron figure to have to fight, right? And so we could summon up our own Aragon figure and then we'd have the climactic battle where good triumphs over evil, but we're not even in that position. You know, we don't even have a villain to fight. What we have are people who are trying to do well and say, look, I just have to make sure the pensions are paid for. What about the NHS? People are going to die of cancer if we don't get a million new bloody Bamalians over. You know, it's like, and so they're not even evil. That's the problem. You know, they're managers, they're bureaucrats. That's the real problem. There, there's no spiritual fight here. They just You're, don't have good intentions. Well, it's not even they don't have good intentions. They would say, well, hang on a second. If granny doesn't get her pension money through, then right. she goes hungry, you know? And so it's not that they don't... Like it, it. We don't even have a villain, you know. That's the problem. That's what's so dangerous about this whole thing. Like you guys want, uh, but what if there's a, a grand arch villain behind it? It's like that would make life easier because we could slay, yeah. them. you know, we could slay the dragon. But no, what it is is the the liberal international order is just essentially liquidating everything, even the concepts of good and evil. And so, I wish. I wish there was a villain. I wish there was a you know Hitler, Mussolini, and Napoleon, whatever. At least it would be someone we could fight. But that doesn't exist anymore. It's awful. While that is a, a, a nice theory you've put forward, I, I I will say I will say I think they're minions of Moloch. Personally, I know, but that's because <laughs> you want to be fighting in the Lord of the Rings, right? No, no, I, I do <laughs> no, too. No, no. Right? I'm not the, joking. The thing is, you, you say all that, but then the government goes out of its way to import these populations, which they know they they don't like to be as forthright with it as we are when we look into all of these yeah. matters. But they know end up costing multiple billions of pounds every single year. Yeah. They could just instead be used to pay all of these pensions. You could say they've got themselves into the cycle. But we know that Tony Blair opened, well, the, Tony Blair's new Labour opened the borders in the first place because of the fact that they said, well, we want to rub the right's nose in diversity. That was, but that was, that was um, one of his assistants. It wasn't him himself who said that. He still signed off on it. Sure. But the, but the thing is, he will still be looking through the managerial lens and saying, well, look, you know, the NHS costs orders of magnitude more than what the migrants cost. Like, it's... Part it, of that is due to the amount of migrants that we've got in the yeah, country. Yeah, no, no, it is. But it's it's also the fact that it will require manpower to maintain the NHS. They, are, they aren't wrong that the population decline of Britain will cause the collapse of these services. They're not wrong in that. They're, what they're wrong in is prioritizing the services over the country itself. That's where they're wrong. It's, again, 
it would be nice to have a villain at the end of this. But the thing is... The I'm people... not saying that there is a single villain at the end of this. No, I'm but... just saying that most of the people manning the whole system are incompetent or evil. Well, no, I, it, they're not, though. That's the problem. If they were evil, it'd be way easier to expose it for being what it is, right? And instead, they're going to they're gonna give you a very reasonable look. These are the numbers. We have to do this if we want these things to continue. And the boomers will die if we don't. William Haig wants them to come over so he can have cheap foreign rent boys. That maybe, but that's... <laughs> Steady, that's libelous. Yeah, that's libelous. Okay, oh, sorry, sorry, that was a joke. So, uh, <laughs> in Harry's opinion. In, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but no, jokes aside, right? He, he is going to... I mean, he's not making an argument that isn't without some foundations. It's not just that they're evil. It would be so much easier if they were. You know, I, I wish that they were because I'm like, right, okay, guys, you know, crusades on, but it's just not how it's going to work because that's not the enemy we're fighting. And I don't... They'll still launch crusade. I mean, that would be good. I, like, as an atheist, that's like... <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> time to stop being an atheist. Um, He's got you there. I don't know if I can, but like, I'm still pro-crusade. Hey, Peter Hitchens <laughs> managed to reason himself into belief. Why yeah. not you? Well, because I'm not Peter Hitchens. And I, I don't know. I... I, I could still fight a crusade, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you must have some form of metaphysical belief in that case. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, let's try and get through maybe one or two other comments before we're done because we've just got a few minutes left now. So, Based Ape says, I uh, don't think we would need to go as far as to ban birth control. So, this is another one directed at some of your suggestions. Yeah. I see a lot of women turning away from I birth didn't control on their the, own. I just said that's what would have to happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I see a lot of women turning away from birth control on their own due to the horrible side effects of an em and an emergency, uh, uh, emerging understanding that this is terrible for them. I think we just need better incentives and people would naturally follow it, get young people into their own homes, provide women with flexibility in the workplace to allow them to also care for their kids and tax incentives for people having more than two children. That would yeah, be very reasonable to me. Out of the workplace, right? Well, yeah. And they are turning away. But, but I think that's what he's talking about. Flexibility in the workplace would be the first step of doing such yeah. a thing. Because uh, like, I know that Daisy's listening to this at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, Daisy. The problem is as they turn away from birth control, as in the pill, they're turning towards abortion as a contraceptive instead. Contraceptives in general need mm. to be disincentivized. Uh, dis certainly, I would want to get rid of abortion, certainly. But uh, I, I, he is right when he talks about birth control. It is terrible for women. The amount yeah. of oh, women yeah, of who course, go, yeah. the way it and changes the hormones. We encourage these teenagers to get onto birth control in the first place. Yeah. Like, why? To Terrible. what end? Yeah. Believe, believe why are we encouraging them to start so early in the first place? Exactly. We, women aren't naturally actually crazy. You know they make women less attractive to masculine men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just in exactly the yeah. same way that pornography makes men less attractive to feminine women. Yeah. Like this is, all of this is countering against what it means to be a human. This is why our birth rates are plummeting. It's, can you imagine, like, I mean, I, as a man, I just can't imagine someone coming along and going, right, you've got to take this pill now every single day and it's going to totally screw with your whole They do mind. want you to. I'm sure they do. They do want do you to. No, but I don't, like, you, it's just such a weird proposition and all women are just like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? They're naturally and more agreeable. It, give it, it gives you the ability to have... Sterility. <laughs> well, no, but it gives you the ability to have sex whenever you want without yeah. any consequences. It's all about the devices and desires of our own heart. It's all about personal pleasure and wants and needs. It's not about society as a whole. We yeah, should, yeah. Again, we should be teaching young people that sex is something that happens within marriage and you, are you open to the opportunity of being blessed by children, with children. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, this I don't see much of a problem with that personally, but uh, I think that's all we've got time for. Is there anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, know, I know it's past quite Sorry. quick. I've been enjoying Sorry, the chats. conversation. I... Yeah, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Calvin? 
Um, no. Oh, okay. Not, not at all. That's okay. a bit of an imposing question. Is there anything? Oh, I don't know. I didn't have anything. Uh, I, just, I just thought I'd make sure that we give him an opportunity to speak. We've got Alvin's Common Sense Crusade, Saturday, 7 p.m. on GB News. There you go. There you go. You even put on your media voice for it. I like it. All right. Well, uh, seeing as that's all we've got time for, thank you very much for tuning in. Remember, tomorrow at 3.30 English time, we've got the Rumble live stream talking about Tumblr taking over a school. I've no idea, so I'll be just as fascinated as everybody watching. I just like the way you phrase that. English time. Yeah, as if foreign time is just rock. It is. Inappropriate. Well, it's good because <laughs> we're on BST right now, aren't we? Not GMT. So Yeah, there we go. See, there you go. So tune in for that and uh, we'll be back again at one o'clock tomorrow for the podcast. Until then, take care and goodbye. God bless.